Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, December 16th, and I'm Blair Kirkham. Great show today. Kansas State kicker Ty Zentner is here. He joined beat writer Kellis Robinette and me in a conversation that covered several topics, starting with his game-winning field goal in the Big 12 championship game victory over TCU. We also talked about his development as a kicker and punter and how he came to place kicking rather late in his career. The Wildcats, of course, are headed to the Sugar Bowl to play Alabama in New Orleans. Find out why the Saints are his favorite team. After a break, Kevin talks about some of the best bets for the early part of the bowl season, the games that might be most impacted by coaching changes and the transfer portal. Okay, let's get started with Ty Zetner and Kellis Robinette. Kellis Robinette is with us, as he often is. And Kellis, we usually have good conversations, you and I, but I think today will be a uh, we'll go to the next level in terms of conversation because we have a special guest. How about doing the honors and introducing our guest here today? Yeah, we've got the one and only Ty Zentner. Kansas State fans know him as uh, the foot of the football team. Kicked the Wildcats into the Big 12 championship a few weeks ago. The win over TCU. Taken with the Sugar Bowl now. They call him Legatron. He punts. He kicks. He handles kickoffs. If it's on special teams, he does it. So I couldn't think of a better guy to have on here. Ty, thanks so much for joining us, man. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here today. Hey, so I'll, I'll start it off and just tell us, Ty, what, um, what life has been like for you since the – Game-winning kick against TCU in the Big 12 championship game. Of course, it came in overtime for the 30-27 to victory, sending the Wildcats into the Sugar Bowl. Actually, I think they would have played in the Sugar Bowl either way, but to go in as the, you know, to go in as the championship team, to wear the hats and the T-shirts after the game and all that, what, uh, um, uh, what what's the attention been like for you since then? Yeah, th- things are going great. Uh, they gave us a little bit of time off after the game was over. And um, these past couple of weeks, we've been just conditioning, lifting, um, practice on the weekends. So we've been doing a little bit of everything, just getting ready for the bowl game. We're, we're super excited to go down to New Orleans and, and play a really good opponent. So it, it's going to be a really good matchup. And I, I know the guys are excited to play. And uh, not every year do you get to play the, the team that's been – the, the face of college football for for the guys on the team for all of our lives. So it's a, it's a really cool opportunity, and I think we're all excited to play. Heck, for all of Kellis's life and mine as well. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a short list of those teams, right, that are, that are like that, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, um, Oklahoma is, is on that list. There, there are some others, but, uh, yeah, they're – um, Alabama goes generational, really, when it comes to uh, you know their, their 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 status in the college football world. But um, how many people did you hear from after the game, and uh, and who was reaching out to you? And just tell us about that a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I heard from a lot of people, a lot of great K State fans out there. Just kind of blew up my phone. So I don't know. I, I probably uh, after the game was over, I got to my phone. I had about 150 texts, and so that was a little bit overwhelming. Um, it took me a while to get back to everyone. I'm sorry if you're watching this and I haven't got back to you yet, but I think I've gotten back to everybody. And, um, you know, the, the support for, for me and the team was just phenomenal, uh, including the crowd that was there that game. And uh, they really gave us life. And um, it, was, it was just such an honor to, to be able to 
represent the university in, in such a positive way and, and, you know, win a Big 12 title, which we haven't done in 10 years. So, Ty, I've got two more questions about the Big 12 championship game I wanted to run by you. First, I got one from a reader who uh, wanted to know the camera spotted you giggling a little bit when you ran out on the, on the field, usually a, a sign of a confident guy. But what were you laughing about when you got all that pressure on you? What were you laughing about that moment? Uh, I wasn't laughing, you know, I, I took the field and I kind of, as I was jogging on, I looked over to our sideline and I thought to myself, I was like, wow, they're, they're sending me out here to, to end this thing. And as I was kept on jogging, got close to the hash, I, I gave Will a high five and he said, let's go win a championship. And so I just kind of looked at him and smiled and uh, took a deep breath, got my spot and uh, the rest is history. Okay, so nobody told you a hilarious joke or anything before you ran out there. <laughs> no, no, no funny jokes. Nobody was cracking jokes at that point. How much, how much confidence did you have uh, when you were lining up, though? I mean, I, I, I've lined up over some pressure putts before in my life as a golfer. You know, sometimes I'm nervous, sometimes I'm confident. I've never had a big chill championship on the line. How did you handle it? I can't really imagine that situation. Yeah, I, I approached it with the same confidence that I've, I've been taking the field with all year, and. Uh, you know, I, I believe in my preparation and um, I believe that that we prepared to be in that moment and and we were ready to go take it. So um, once we got set up and and Jack put his hand on the ground, you know, it was kind of just my routine from there on. So um, it, it's not like I was lining up thinking that the championships on the line. I was just trying to hit my best ball. What was the best part about, you know, being the guy to to send K-State through there and then, then to celebrate afterward now that you've had a little while to reflect on it, what sticks out in your mind the most? Um, I would say just the moment it came off my foot and I turned back and looked at Jack and just kind of threw my hands in the air. We just the, the pure rush of excitement and joy and, um, you know, it, it's hard to describe that, that emotion in that moment. Ty, I know, I know you haven't been a place kicker for very long, but, uh, but I still want to ask you, when you make contact with a ball, do you have some sense that it's it's true coming off the foot? Um, or do you have to, you know, you know, wait and see if uh, if it's if it's if it's drifting toward an upright? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both, I would say, you know, um, you definitely know when you pick it clean off the ground and don't get a lot of turf, kind of like golf, like Kellis mentioned, just uh you know, sometimes you'll catch a little bit of turf and, it, and it's a little bit chunky. It has a has a weird rotation on it, kind of breaking left to right. Um, so, yeah, you, you usually know right away. And um, I kind of was able to get myself in a rhythm through practice on Thursdays and then games on Saturdays where I was really just kind of picking the ball clean off the turf on all day long on Saturdays. And Blair mentioned there, you haven't kicked your whole life, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started as a high school senior, right? That's the first time you started playing football. Yes, sir. Um, it's, it's still crazy to me that you were going to be a uh, goalkeeper on a soccer team at a Kansas Juco, and now you're here right now. Tell us a little bit more about that transition, how you went from wanting to play soccer to choosing uh, American football. Yeah, and, and like I've told you before, um, that year, in my senior year, uh, my friends needed a kicker on the team, and so um, I told him I would do it, and luckily for me, uh, my high school had a volunteer kicking coach, Stephen Block, and he was huge in my development as as a senior kicker that year and trying to get me in, into 
to a college and, and find a good spot for me. So he helped me out. He, he spent his time where he didn't have to. And, um, you know, he, he really helped me develop as a kicker and a punter. And, uh, so I'm super thankful for him. What, what made you like, uh, football more than soccer after you spent so much time, you know, doing the other sport? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, so I was a goalkeeper in soccer and I really liked the idea of being able to score. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Kicking field goals was always fun for me. You know, along those lines, Ty, um, you, when you, th you think of soccer players having a, uh, you know, just by the nature of their sport, having a, maybe a, an easy transition into football, but if you're a goalkeeper, you know, you're, you're not, the ball's not on your foot a lot. So, I'm wondering if the fact that you were a goalkeeper, uh, is there some association with you being, you know, getting into kicking as a punter and not as a place kicker? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You know, uh, when I was playing soccer, I tried to spend a lot of time just with the ball in my foot uh, outside of games. I was saying practice, I would try and get on the field as much as possible. And I always thought I was really good at just striking the ball being able to, to hit it where I wanted to and um, kind of just put my foot at different angles and, and distort the ball in different directions. So I always thought I was good at that, just kind of a natural ball striker, and it transitioned over to football pretty pretty well. Okay. Um, take us through your path a little bit. So uh, Butler County uh, for, for two years, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and then how did, how did re recruiting go for you after, you know, what – when you were at Butler? Yeah. Um, when I was at Butler, my, my first year, I was the starter on kickoff. I got three field goals in, I think it was, and like 15 punts. So I was still kind of the do-it-all guy, but my main role was just kickoff, just hit it out of the end zone, and, and we'll take the touchback. And uh, that second year is when uh, that spring ball, I was able to do all three, and a lot of coaches were able to come watch us and then into the fall, I did all three the entire season. So um, I felt like I got a lot of eyes on me, but I didn't get a ton of attention. No, not a lot of schools were recruiting me. Um, there were there were a bunch of schools that wanted me to walk on, but uh, nobody was offering a scholarship. And and luckily for me, I had came to the kicking camp and met Sean Snyder and uh, Taylor Bratt and really got connected with them. And I, I really enjoyed being up here as it was awesome. So I came back to Manhattan as much as possible. And um, they stayed true to me the entire time. They, they watched all my film. Um, and they, at the end of the day, they gave me the opportunity. So, um, yeah. How much pride do you take in the fact that you do all three instead of just punting, just kicking, just doing touchbacks? How, how much pride do you take in doing all three? Yeah, I, I take a lot of pride in it because um, – you know, it, it just helps the team that much more, you know, uh, somebody that can that can play multiple positions, just like a, a defensive back out there that can play safety, nickel, corner or anything. It, it helps the team out. So um, I take a lot of pride in that. And for me, it's it's fun. It's exciting because, you know, I'm just uh, I'm doing more stuff. So um, I take a lot of pride in it. And yeah. Ty, is the, the the last few weeks of good fortune for you, last couple of months, actually, has it has it changed the way you think about the future? Um, no, I wouldn't say it's changed because uh, going into the season, I knew if, if I prepared the way I needed to and 
and really trusted in our system and, and what we're doing here at Kansas State that at the end of the day, it I was going to end up where I should. So um, I, I kind of kept in the back of my mind. I, I try not to think about the NFL a whole lot um, during the season, but um, just preparing every single day for the opportunity. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a decision maker. Like I, I don't get to pick where I'm taking in draft or if I'm not. So um, I'll let those guys make that decision, but um, hopefully, hopefully they're thinking of me. You're definitely going to make a run at the NFL though. You don't have another career lined up immediately. No, uh, I'll, once I'm done playing football, I'll probably start coaching. So do you find yourself uh, watching guys like Justin Tucker or Harrison Butker or NFL guys? Oh, yeah. Uh, I Anytime there's an NFL game on, I got my phone out, my stopwatch out, and I'm taking times on hang times and, and operating <laughs> times and all that stuff. But uh, I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube trying to find as much film as those guys as possible because I feel like just seeing them hit the ball clean like they do and and operating the way they do can only help me. So I try and watch that stuff as much as possible. And I'm, and I'm sure there's an awareness here that um, NFL teams, <laughs> um, boy, if they could save a roster spot by hire, by, by getting a kicker and a punter, uh, quite an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I, you know, I don't really know how teams operate with that. So it'll be exciting for me this spring to kind of find out what teams view me as and, uh, how they they see um, that kind of working out. So so you tune into NFL games just to watch the punters and the kickers sometimes? Yeah, pretty much. I, there's <laughs> a couple times this year I told, like, if I wasn't able to watch the game, I would text my girlfriend and say, hey, can you record these punts for me so I can see them? And obviously she does a great job of that. So <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. I mean, I mean, it makes sense, but I've never heard that before. Hi, <laughs> yep. right, Ty, have you ever been to New Orleans? I haven't, but the Saints were my favorite team growing up, so I'm so excited to go to New Orleans. Oh, how, how did that happen? Um, my mom is a jazzercise instructor, so when uh, I was probably in second or third grade and they were doing a, a jazzercise halftime show, and I was luckily able to, to go to that and sit on the sideline, but we were on the, the visitor's sideline, and they were playing the Saints that day, so me being a second grader, I was walking up and down the Saints sideline before kickoff, just trying to get as many autographs as I could. And uh, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> that's uh, was, was Breeze the quarterback then? Uh, yes, he was. Oh, okay. I wasn't able to get his autograph though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that's great. Well, Ty, I got a few. I got a few more reader questions I want to pass along to you here uh, before we get you out of here. Some, some serious, some not serious at all. But one thing, actually, I was curious about was when when Chris Klein and the coach said midseason we're going to open up the kick, kicking duties for field goals. Like, how did you win that job? Was there a was there a kickoff with you and Chris in practice, or how did that work? Um, no, there wasn't any kickoff. Um, they kind of gave me more reps than the other two guys that week. Just kind of see how I was progressing. I hadn't kicked a whole lot before that. I, I still kept kicking on Thursdays up to that point, but um, not on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So um, they gave me more reps that week and and I hit the ball well. And I think that's why they rolled on with me that Saturday. All right, here's a sillier one for you. You've got quite a personality at long snapper and Randon Platner. 
Oh yeah. What's it like having a guy like that snapping the ball every every time you're out there on the field? You know, it's it's incredible because Randon's just such uh, an infectious leader of our team. You know, he he provides juice when when uh, guys don't have it. So when we're running, he's yelling, and uh, he's always just trying to encourage others and and bring guys along with him, which you know that that can only help out the team. And and Randon's been so great for us. His, his snaps are are on the spot every single time. And uh, he does a great job covering down. So I'm excited for Randon. He, he's, a, he's a really good snapper. He's one of my best friends and he's got a bright future ahead of him as well. Here's another good one. What feels better for you as a guy who does everything? Do you prefer, do you get a bigger rush at it when you pin a team inside the five with a punt or when you kick a long field goal? Um, you know, if, if that's like a, another 72 yard punt down to the five. I, I think I'd like that one more, but uh, that doesn't happen very often. So I'll go with the long field goal because I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't really describe the feeling I got against uh, TCU or, <clears throat> or the, uh, the kick against West Virginia was, was awesome as well. That 72 yard punt against Kansas was amazing, by the way. I just want to say that. Um, and okay, here's, here's uh, the last one, which is a great one. Um, okay, let's say you're in another pr pressure spot against Alabama at the Sugar Bowl, game on the line. How far away do you feel confident kicking in that situation? What's the longest walk-off field goal you could make to, to win that game? Uh, that's a good question because we'll be in a dome, so there's not going to be any wind, obviously. Um, and against TCU, I, was, uh, I got back to, I think, 64 yards. Um, with just my normal field goal approach. So um, I had planned for, for over bowl prep to kind of see if I can lengthen my approach a little bit, uh, kind of like Justin Tucker does on his long field goals and see if I can get another two to three yards out of that. So we'll see. Um, probably around 65 would be the furthest I could go. All right, there you have it. Guaranteeing a 65-yard field goal. <laughs> yeah, guaranteeing. <laughs> Kyle, you're not. It'd be awesome if it happens, though. Are, are you superstitious at all? Um, I don't think I am. I, I know I have a routine that I follow, but um, I, there's no like distinct superstition I have. I, I I wear the same cleats every day, but you know that 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 doesn't change a whole lot. Okay. I, I um we've we've gone this far, and we we haven't mentioned um. Uh, your your percentage on place kicks this year and um you know maybe like a when when announcers are calling a no hitter in baseball they they don't use that term so maybe we'll just stay away from you know saying what the percentage is but i'm glad you mentioned your kicking operation we, we went a long way without mentioning that and that's always so important uh for for place kickers and putters long snapper and the holder and everything that's i'm, I'm glad you got that i did we I was remiss in, in failing to mention that earlier. So, um, uh, look, you, you've been you've been very generous and gracious with your time. We really appreciate it. Um, best of luck in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. That's that's going to be fantastic. I, I can't wait for that game. And what a great moment that is for Kansas State football. So, um, Kellis, thank you, sir. Ty Zentner, thanks a lot. And um, and and best of luck in New Orleans. Thank you so much for having me. We're, we're excited to get down to New Orleans. It's going to be fun. We're, we're going to have fun down there, but we're going to take business, take care of business as well. So we're excited for it and uh, it's going to be awesome.
Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Kellis, first of all, that was great to hear from Ty Zentner, wasn't it? Uh, what What a nice thing for him to do to join us on the podcast. It's great, great story. Love that kid. Um, I'm happy he get, gets to play the hero here for a little while. Yes, and I hope he does get to kick the 65-yarder at the Superdome uh, when, when the Wildcats play Alabama. Okay, so we're going to use this segment to discuss uh, bowl wagering. Well, we'll talk about the bowls too, but also about bowl wagering because I, you had a good – your weekly uh, – wage sports wagering column was about the bowl games and it's just a different type of you know it's a different time of year and a different type of thing you have to maybe pay attention to when you're looking at wagers for bowl games it's different than a regular season college football game so uh with that in mind let's take a look at some of the early bowl games they start tonight we're recording this on Thursday, but we're, it'll be released on Friday, posted on Friday. So the games are starting tonight, as you informed me. Uh, and then there's a big slate on Saturday as well. Why don't we pick out a couple of those games and use those as examples of what those who are wagering should consider that's different than a regular season game? Yeah, it's quite a bit different. The three things I like to look for are, number one, the most important thing to me is motivation especially in these games that really don't mean much, like the Bahamas Bowl or uh, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Um, <laughs> the team that wants to be there has a huge advantage over the team that doesn't. It's just so many times we see um, teams just show up and not care. And you would, you know, the under, I, I heard somebody say this, that if you, if you just look at bowl games before Christmas, there's a wild variance on underdogs. Um, if you just bet on double-digit underdogs in those games, they they hit at something at like a 40% rate, which is not what you see in the regular season. Um, and if you're betting money line on that, you're getting three, four times the money back. That's, you know, not a bad idea to take a take a dart throw on those games. Whereas in the regular season, you see, you know, a, a potential mismatch. You're like, no, I don't, I'm betting the favorite here. I'm not betting the underdog. So always something to consider motivational-wise. And then what really, that, that at least is easy to figure out. You can look at teams and say, you know, oh, hey, I bet, um, you know, you get a game with, uh, oh, a, a group of five school pay, playing a SEC team. Well, it's pretty easy to spot which team's going to be fired up there. Right. Um, the harder part is figuring out who's actually playing in the games. Uh, the bigger schools have a lot of opt-outs. The smaller schools have a lot of firings, coordinators all over the place. Like uh, Washington State is playing Fresno State in a game where they, they're not expected to have their offensive coordinator or their defensive coordinator or their top three receivers or two of their best defenders. It's just like the team that's showing up for the bowl game is not at all what you, you know, came to see during the regular season. So you got to factor all that stuff in. 
I, I really like it. I think it's, uh, you know, fun to go through the research and stuff. In some ways it's easier. It's like I said, sometimes you can see a matchup and it's like, boy, I, I read that one perfectly, but then other times it's like, whoa, this is uh, there's a lot of moving parts here. Winning this bet is going to be, you know, like pulling a thing off of a Jenga game. Um, <laughs> so in some ways it's more challenging in some ways it's, it's easier. And for me, that's kind of the, the fun of it, trying to figure out which ones are the easy ones and uh, hoping you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think another factor that's entered college football just in the last couple of years is the transfer portal. You know, it falls under the category of who's playing and who's not playing. And it used to be in the not too recent past that all you did was consider guys that were opt- opting out because of, you know, they might be NFL prospects and don't want to risk an injury. But now added to that are, you know, players that have entered the transfer portal. And even, that doesn't disqualify you from playing for your team in a bowl game, but uh, but I don't, I, I don't see what the big motivation is for somebody who has entered the transfer portal to play for their team in a bowl game. There's there's still some uncertainty there about whether that player is going to play in, in, in a bowl game. So I don't know if there's anybody at Kansas State that falls under that category, somebody who's entered the transfer portal um, and, and uh, don't know whether they're playing or not. I've been following Missouri, and there's a couple of guys like Dominic Lovett, their wide receiver, has entered the transfer portal, and I just assume he's not going to play. Yeah, more often than not, the answer is no. They want to move on. But there are a few instances where the players actually follow through with it. Um, Grayson McCall, the great quarterback in Coastal Carolina, he's in the transfer portal. He wants to play somewhere else next year, but he came out and announced that even though he's in the transfer portal, he wants to finish out this season. Um, with Coastal, the Chanticleers, uh, awesome yep. nickname, by the way. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, bizarre. Uh, how motivated is he going to be for that game? In Western Kentucky, uh, that, that following their line has been interesting. Their starting quarterback said he was gone. He had a really good season this year. When that news came out, everybody jumped off their train. The line went above a touchdown. Uh, they're playing South Alabama and the, New or- the uh, whatever the New Orleans Bowl game that is in the Sugar Bowl is. Um, and all of a sudden it looked like, yeah, Western Kentucky is not the team you want to back here. You want South, South Alabama. Then a few days later, the quarterback said, just kidding. I'm sticking around. And not only that, I'm going to play in this bowl game. So now the line shot way down. Um, <laughs> so if you got Western Kentucky plus like 10, where it was a few days ago, you're feeling pretty good about things right now. Um, so just some high variance there. You asked about Kansas State. I don't expect any of the guys that transferred to play in the game. They've had five departures already. And even if those guys stuck around, they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't be factors like Jaron Lewis, four string quarterback. If he's asked to play in this game, they've got major problems. Um, uh, one of their backup backup offensive linemen is gone. Um, actually, one of their line, one of their reserve linebackers already announced he's going to Arizona State. So I don't think you're going to see him either. No questions there. I think the five guys who said they're transferred are, uh, are going to not be there. Gotcha. OK. Yeah, again, like I said, a factor that wasn't part of the landscape a few years ago um, that, that you that now is. So, all I'll right. Tell you what would really make it interesting is if one of these days uh, t- players can transfer so fast that they play for their new team in the bowl game. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> that would be said. It's like the baseball player who was once traded between uh, games of a doubleheader, played for one team in the first game and the, and the other team in the second. So, uh-huh. or, or like Baker Mayfield with the Rams last week. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, Cal. So uh, it, it's a, one of the rare occasions that all three of the schools that the star covers 
Kansas State, Kansas, and Missouri are in bowl games. Of course, it's it's rare because of Kansas's appearance in a bowl game. That hasn't happened in, uh, I think it's 13 years. So um, you know, we, we, we've spent a lot of time and we'll spend more time discussing the Wildcats in Alabama at a future podcast. But Missouri's up first. They play on December 23rd against Wake Forest in the Gasparilla Bowl uh, in Tampa, Florida. So um, I don't know how far ahead you've looked when it comes to lines and everything, but it seems like this is a game where both quarterbacks are going to play. Uh, Wake Forest has Sam Hartman, who has uh, uh, put up some big numbers. AC uh, Wake Forest was rolling this year. ACC, they were 6-0 and or something, got to the – I think they got as high as number 10 in the country, then hit a, hit a losing streak and, um, and, and fell out of the pole. Missouri – just the opposite. Started two and four, finished six and six. Um, I don't know. Did did you, was this one of the games you considered when you were putting together your um, your your column? Uh, well, I haven't looked ahead that far just yet, but this is a weird one. It's pretty much a pick 'em right now. Wake Forest is favored by one. It, the, it's just a weird game for me to kind of figure out this far ahead because, like Wake Forest, when I saw them earlier in the year, yeah, with you, they looked great. Um, the, the one loss they had, they put up 45 against Clemson. Uh, they won at, at Florida State, which is a heck of a win. They, they're in the top 15 right now. Um, they had all these, you know, all these really good games that they close out the year losing to Louisville, losing to NC State, losing to North Carolina, losing to Duke in the finale. So all of a sudden you got this team that just looked great all season, uh, kind of tanked. And Missouri's – I'm probably the wrong guy to ask Missouri. The one get the one time I got to see them up close, they just looked terrible yeah. against Kansas State. <laughs> I was shocked a few weeks later when they came out and gave Georgia a run for their money until the end of that game. Um, so I, I'll tell you one bet I'm I would consider here um, is maybe the over. Wake Forest can't stop any anybody, and you know bowl games teams tend to play a little bit looser. Maybe Missouri comes out and tries some trick plays and stuff finally uh, get it to some, get the ball to some of the receivers a little bit more. The over-under is only 16 and a half. Uh, Wake Forest, I mean, they've played some games like a side, but they took Clemson 51-45, North Carolina 36-34. They played Syracuse and that game was uh, an 80, uh, ended up with 80 points. So you're going to be in Tampa. You would assume there'd be good weather. That might be a good way to attack it. Um, Right now I'd maybe, maybe lean Wake Forest, but I, I don't know. I'll have to study up on that one a little bit more. All right. So prepare for a four hour football game is what you're saying. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, okay. And then of course, after Christmas is the Kansas Arkansas Liberty bowl. There's where KU ends up in it's first bowl game since 2008. Um, I don't know what to think of this. Um, you know, on, on paper, I think Arkansas should be the better team, but again, it's another small line, right? The Razorbacks are a slight favorite, I think. Yeah, they're favored by a field goal right now. Um, when the line originally came out, it was kind of in a dead zone at like five and a half or six. If it been, if the opening, if the line would have opened at KU plus more than a touchdown, I, I might have just bet it, you know, throwing a little bit of money at it blindly and seeing what happens. Because, um, like I mentioned earlier, when you talk about motivation, Kansas is going to be much more motivated for this game than Arkansas. It's the first bowl game in forever. You saw how much it meant to those guys when they beat Oklahoma State to get their sixth win. People like players weeping on the field. They're so happy to, you know, to be going to the Liberty Bowl. Um, and 
the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is that they kind of already won the game with uh, the Brett Murphy report that came out. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Quarter uh, <laughs> war that up. never happened, right? Uh, so, so I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're good and they're on easy street. They don't care about it anymore. Um, but yeah, so motivation is on the Hawks side. I like them from that perspective. Um, I. I don't like for their sake that Arkansas's quarterback decided he's going to stick around and play. I was kind of under the belief he would opt out and go pro um, to play KJ Jefferson is uh, much more difficult than to play the backup. And Arkansas has kind of been all over the place this season. They've got some really good wins. They've got some really bad losses. Couldn't beat Missouri in the last game. Um, you remember that one game they had against Texas A&M that kind of derailed the whole season where they were, uh, they had the te- they were about to score a touchdown, fumble it, and AM runs it back for a touchdown the other way, and yeah. field goal at the end boinks off the upright. So I, I don't know if, if 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 Arkansas brings their A game, then yeah, I think they win this. I think they cover, um, but they can't be too jazzed up for this game. So motivational wise, you like Kansas. Overall, you like Arkansas. Um, the one thing I will say here is that Arkansas. I've been to the Liberty Bowl when Arkansas played in it. They played Kansas State there. Oh, I don't remember how many years ago now, but Bill Snyder was still coaching. And, um, you know, Kansas State fans were just shocked that normally when they go to bowl games, they're the team with all the fans. They've got the most support. Not the case with Arkansas. Arkansas is very close to Memphis. That place was 80% red, made a big difference. Um, If they show up again, that's just another reason to maybe like them. Um, I probably right now like Arkansas, but I don't know. You You can talk me into it either way, maybe. Yeah, that's it's you know, Arkansas is right across the river and and the you know, Arkansas is just one of the very well supported teams. Those fans travel great. Uh, I suspect it'll be one of the better atmosphere games um of the pre-playoff uh, bowl games. I, I imagine Liberty Bowl will be close to filled and um Kansas I think sold out their allotment. So, um yeah, great it sh- should be great atmosphere and just a fun, you know, just it's it's good to see Kansas back in in a bowl game and maybe maybe uh, this is the start of something really nice for for the Jayhawks. So, do we uh, do we know what Lance Leipold's record was in bowl games at Buffalo? I'm trying to go look that up. Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. And obviously, before that, he was in the NCAA playoffs at Division three. There were no bowl games, but uh, yeah, Lance he he went to a couple few bowl games at Buffalo. It was over 500 um, a few times. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I, I pulled it up here. Okay, they they won the Camellia Bowl in 2020 before he came to Kansas, and they won the Bahamas Bowl, which kicked everything off in 2019. Uh, lost the Dollar General Bowl uh, in his first ever bowl in 2018. So he has a winning record in bowl games. Uh, that's something something to consider. Um, you know, it, it really is a factor sometimes when you get a coach who cares about it and you give him extra time, uh, that could be an advantage too. For sure. All right, Kellis. Great stuff, and really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. I've got a uh, I got a couple of uh, drink recommendations for you for New Orleans that I'll, I'll pass along off the air. Okay, looking forward to that. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our staff of George Howard, Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. A salute to Kansas State kicker Ty Zetner for making time to chat with us and to Wildcats beat writer Kellis Robinette. Morning Sports Edition is the nation's top digital sports section. See what I'm talking about at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, 
And we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in and around Kansas City every day. <laughs>